Unlike some of the other top teams in the Western Conference, the Sacramento Kings can't be classified as a championship or bust team. That being said, Mike Brown has been very open about this team getting from good to great and becoming contenders as early as this season. Well, the Kings aren't on the same timeline as the Lakers, Warriors, or Phoenix Suns, but there are some other young up-and-coming teams in the Western Conference that may be putting some pressure on Sacramento to reach that contendership sooner than later. Hunter Patterson from The Athletic joins me to discuss that, plus De'Aaron Fox's superstardom and more right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And for the second straight episode, we have a first time guest here on Locked on Kings. Hunter Patterson from The Athletic mainly covers the Sacramento Kings now and has been doing so for the last couple of years, but uh, has been covering hoops for a while. Is is one of, just in my opinion, the best uh, athletic writers that are out there for, for NBA basketball. He does an excellent job covering Sacramento, so make sure that you're getting an athletic su- subscription. You're checking out his work, following him on social media too. Uh, he's fantastic, and he's, it's long overdue. Uh, for him to appear here on the Locked On Kings podcast. So he joins me today. Uh, I'm going to run my idea by him of how teams like the Minnesota Timberwolves, Oklahoma City Thunder, New Orleans Pelicans, these other younger kind of up-and-coming teams that maybe waited out the Golden State Warriors dynasty, right? And the era of LeBron and Kevin Durant and these other guys, even though those guys are still kicking and they're still trying to win as early as right now, here are these younger teams, which the Kings can can be classified as who have been developing, waiting in the wings, and now finally might be their time to strike. I think the NBA is in a great place with all of these uh, exciting and competitive uh, up-and-coming teams, which, of course, the Sacramento Kings are a part of, especially in the Western Conference, but there are also some teams in the East as well. So Hunter and I are going to discuss that. De'Aaron Fox, and if he's reached that superstar status, we talk about Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, the weakness of the wing position for Sacramento. So much great stuff in this conversation. If you want to respond to any of it, share your thoughts, ask a question, whatever it may be, hit us up on Twitter. You can reach me there at Matt George Sack. You can email me Sports at gmail.com whenever you want. And if you're watching on YouTube, leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. But for now, please enjoy my conversation with the Athletics' Hunter Patterson. I'm almost ashamed to say it's the first time that Hunter Patterson is joining me here on the Locked On Kings podcast. We should have been doing this much sooner, but here we are. Hunter Patterson from The Athletic covers the Sacramento Kings amongst many other uh, hoops things for The Athletic. And Hunter, I'm so excited to have you on my friend we're talking about kind of a bunch of different things today including the kings maybe racing some of these other up-and-coming teams to contendership in the western conference but we'll get to that in a second thanks so much for coming on my friend it's a pleasure to have you it's a pleasure to be on i appreciate you um having me on it's, it's long overdue so let's get to it 
Well, so you've been you've been covering the Sacramento Kings here over the past couple of seasons. So, uh, but I know you're very aware of the, the the playoff drought until last season that was finally broken, and now we're starting to be in a position as, as Sacramento Kings followers and media members and fans, where it's like, oh, this is how normal fan bases feel. It's not just making the playoffs anymore; it's getting better, and it, it's 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 trying to become a contender, trying to win an NBA championship. For so many years, we were just content with, hey, just be there. Now, Kings fans are starting to want more a little bit, which is awesome. So I understand any patience that Kings fans might have and uh, impatience that Kings fans Mm -hmm. might have. But I'm wondering if there's a little more impatience for the Sacramento Kings situation because they're not the only up-and-coming team that's knocking on the door of contendership, Hunter. If you, you look at the Western Conference, the top two teams right now are the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Oklahoma City Thunder, two teams that that were below the Sacramento Kings last year who are on the on the younger side. Uh, you also have teams like the New Orleans Pelicans who just beat the Kings. The Houston Rockets are starting to make a little bit of noise, although they're down in 10th. But it, it, it seems like so many teams have been waiting for the LeBron, Steph, KD era to finally kind of die out before they pounce. Right. And now the Kings are amongst those pouncers. I'm just wondering, do you think the Sacramento Kings – should be or or feel like they have to race these other young teams to contendership or are they are they okay kind of taking their time and and maybe being a first round exit for a couple years before they start to figure it out i think we've heard coach brown all i mean even going back to training camp uh he's he's adamant on being a championship team he's um trying to go from good to great and when you look at the standings obviously 11 and 8 right now but those eight losses have only come from four teams and two of the teams you mentioned in the Timberwolves and Thunder, the Kings have beat this season. And I believe the Thunder win was without Fox. So I I wouldn't be too worried about anyone other than the Sacramento Kings if I was the Kings. And I believe also they will have a, a chance again to play OKC coming up soon with Fox. So that could be a good measuring stick game for them, but I'd I'd be pretty focused on ourselves if I were in that locker room. And the players also have talked about different adjustments that they've been making, um, keying in on different mat- mismatches offensively, so their their pace isn't what it was last season. Trying to be more elite defensively, so uh, not even twenty games in yet, and they're looking to make a few adjustments offensively and defensively that I think could take a little bit of time. Like you mentioned, not even 20 games in yet, but the, the one of the words you used there is you said, if you were the Sacramento Kings, you'd only be worried about yourselves. Well, let me kind of follow up on that. Is there anything with you watching the Kings right now that you think Sacramento should be worried about? Not necessarily panicking about, but maybe a little concerned about at this point. Even going back to last season, I think they know defensively they're not where they want to be. Interior defense as well. I think that's an area that JaVale is helping with off the bench, but they definitely need to shore it up a little bit. Um, I, I think they're an elite offensive team, and they're they're still kind of gaining cohesiveness and coming together as a unit since this is their second season playing at this level. But you can't always rely on outscoring teams. And I think the defense will eventually shore up. Does the, is the streaky three-point shooting concerning to you at all? Because we've seen Sacramento, oddly enough, Hunter, the, the games where the Kings are shooting the best 
from three point range in terms of highest percentage. They're they're shooting their fewest threes. They're usually in like the mid to upper thirties. In the games where they're shooting poorly, it's like they're settling for threes and they're in the mid to, uh, mid to upper forties even at times with with three point attempts. And and a lot of that comes from I know Mike Brown's one of his pillar of his offenses is paint touches and and spraying the ball that way. Right. So it's almost the Kings use their uh, inside uh, game to establish that outside, but. We've seen Sacramento, who's loaded with talented shooters, have far too many games of 40-plus three-point attempts and shooting 33-34%. And a lot lot of those games you can point to are reasons why Sacramento, or part of a reason why Sacramento lost. Yeah, I think there's kind of just ebbs and flows with shooting. I mean, you you want to be as elite as possible, but some of the guys who had career years last year were, I don't want to say like, out shooting what they usually do, but you you do look at the box scores after those games and you could be a little concerned, but I think that just comes with uh high usage guys who shoot from three as much as the Kings do. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be overly concerned there either. Hunter, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on on a worry that I have at the moment. It's because I'm noticing there's a type there's a type of team that Sacramento really, really is struggling with. And you can even go back to last season with this, but this year especially. Le- lengthy, athletic, physical teams, especially at the wing. That's what has me concerned at this point. And Hunter, I, I was a huge fan of the idea of bringing Harrison Barnes back, especially for the money that they brought him back on. And for basically Barnes' entire time here in Sacramento, I haven't wavered on the belief that he's a starting caliber three, uh, that he's a good asset for Sacramento to have. Now I'm starting to be a little bit concerned because of the teams that are consistently beating Sacramento. And at the wing position, you have a veteran who disappears at times in Harrison. And then you have a second-year player in Keegan who's making strides, but that's a lot to put on the shoulders of, of a second-year player when you're trying to be a contender right now. I guess, what do you think of the the wing position and, and, and that weakness, if any, for Sacramento? I do think that, like you said, that is a weakness. Um Keegan has been trying to take on more uh, elite offensive guys on the wing. He he was guarding B.I. a bit before he got hurt. And um, just throughout the season, he's tried to take on different matchups. He was guarding Steph at one point and doing pretty well on him earlier in the season. But the wing position is one that I think they may need some reinforcements at. Uh, and I know you you're relying on Keegan and um you don't want to try to put too much on his plate too early on since this is only his second season in the league but um i don't know i think hb has been really steady and and he has some games like you said where he's not as active but i don't know if hb is there solely for for his production on the court he seems to be a really um just calming presence in the locker room he's a veteran guy he's been through a lot in the league and i think he's offering more than just um, what he brings on the court. But again, I do I do agree that he's maybe not the long-term solution here. See, I agree with the word that you use, which is steady, because he he's just, I mean, HB is reliable. Like, that's the word mm-hmm. that I always go to in terms of the man always plays. Like, he just, he, right. he played every single game last season. He's played every single game so far this season, knock on wood, that he doesn't get hurt. I mean, he's just reliable, and he fills a position that historically Sacramento has really struggled to fill. So, in in that sense, I, I appreciate what he brings and like what he brings. 
I'm just questioning, and again, maybe this is the overreaction to Sacramento getting used to a team being in the playoffs and, and trying to improve upon that, but I'm questioning his disappearances in, in big games or times where he struggles. We saw in the playoffs, and I know he already had that reputation going into the playoffs. I'm not even harping on that as much as, like, here's here's a big game, essentially a, a game seven in the in-season in tournament against the, the um, uh, against the New Orleans Pelicans the other night. And he plays 30 and a half minute or like 33 minutes or something like that has just four points, takes only three or four shots. Doesn't, I mean, is tasked with guarding Zion, which is incredibly difficult, but doesn't right. really make too much of an impact. And that's another big, uh, big game. I'm just curious, like, or I'm wondering if this, if the Kings are in a place where they can survive that right now, or if they just have to accept that that's what it is while Keegan develops and just try and do the best they can with Fox and Monk and Sabonis carrying them. I think a lot of, the uh, younger guys have tried to step things up defensively. And I, I don't know if that's necessarily to compensate for, for what HB may not be bringing, but I think it can help. And we've seen Fox even try to guard um, longer guys who, who aren't necessarily guards and at his position. So um, again, you don't want to put too much on Fox who already has a ton on his plate as well. But I think, they're developing individual defenders who may be able to step in and assist HB if he's not uh, able to guard guys like B.I. And, um, and Edwards down the line. So I think they have enough pieces if they, if they keep developing them. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So pick a team that's a heavy favorite, put five bucks down. When you win, that's 150 bonus bucks uh, that you get for free that you can use on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. In fact, I have a good bet for you for Sacramento Kings-centric that you can use a chunk of that 150 bonus bucks. Uh, Malik Monk has the fourth best odds right now to win sixth man of the year. He's a plus 650 behind Tim Hardaway Jr., Austin Reeves, Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, I love that bet from the idea that if Malik Monk keeps playing the way that he's playing, and especially with how impactful he is, not just statistically, but with winning games and the fact that he is more than capable of being a 20-point scorer on a semi-regular basis, I think Malik has a very, very, very good chance of winning the sixth man of the year as Sacramento continues to grow into hopefully a contending team. Well, there's money. There's a way uh, that you can use that 150 bucks. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. How impressed have you been with Kevin Herter? Because he went through it. I mean, from the playoffs last year and the struggles, even to start this season, the preseason, where it looked like it, there was like people were questioning whether or not he'd, he'd lose his starting job. Right. And not only has he gotten back to shooting the ball well, I mean, he's rebounding, he's defending at a high level. I just, I've been very impressed with what Mike has been able to get out of Kevin. I'm curious your thoughts on him. Yeah, shout out to him and his mental toughness, because I don't know how many people would have been able to handle being benched during the preseason, which, again, is preseason. Mike said it wouldn't be long term. Uh, Mike likes to try things to bring different uh, attitudes out of players. And I think he was successful in what he did with Kevin, because Kevin is 
at this point, attacking the glass, I think probably better than he has at any point in his career. He's making it uh, a point to do those things. So even if the three-point shooting slips and he's not as consistent as he was last season, he's bringing more than he was uh, to the table than he was last season. So shouts out to him and his mental toughness. Um, he handled everything like a pro. He was answering questions. He was showing love to Duarte when he stepped in for him. So he never seemed bitter or um, unhappy with how things were going. I think he really took a look in the mirror and was like, how can I improve to to lock down this, this two spot? The thing is with Kevin, it's like, I know there are obviously better starting shooting guards out there. There are superstar starting shooting cards in the, in, in the league that are be- better right. than Kevin his. I just question with, if Kevin is, if this is who he's going to be, if this is not just a flash in the pan, but the, the 40% or hovering around 40% three point shooting where he spaces the floor for Fox and Malik and Sabonis and the rest of them while also improving as a rebounder and being a capable, I'm not going to say great, but a capable defender. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's, and especially for the contract that he's being paid and how affordable he is for that position. I just don't know if there's a better fit player out there for the Sacramento Kings right now than this version of Kevin Herter. I agree. I think the way he plays in the system as well, like he thrives with DHOs. Um, He's even starting to be better in pick and roll situations when he from time to time is handling the ball. He's a great guy to spray it to when you, when he's off the ball and either De'Aaron or Malik is, the one running the pick and rolls. So I think he is just, I've, I've definitely been impressed. It was like you said, it, the season may not have started how he or Kings fans may have wanted, but he's, he's just shown a lot of mental, mental toughness that I think he, he has to get credit for. Going back to this contention race with these up and coming teams, the four teams that, that pretty much I'm looking at are, are the Kings the Pelicans, the T-Wolves, and the Thunder. Obviously, we, as we mentioned, two of them are at the top of the West right now, even though it's very mm-hmm. early in the season. I don't, I'm not necessarily asking you to do a rankings of the four, but where do you think the Kings stand amongst that group of four teams in terms of like more poised to make a long-term run like in a good spot? Do you think the league is just in a great spot period with having four young teams like this that are, are, are ready to break out? Like, Where do you think the Kings are amongst that group of teams? Okay, you're saying the top four right now? Yes. Well, the the no the four of uh, so Sacramento, New, uh, New mm-hmm. Orleans, Minnesota, and OKC. Just that group of young gotcha. teams who are ready to make jumps. I would probably put the Kings right there at the first or second spot, probably. Um, and I think OKC is a really good young team. Head coach is amazing. Mm-hmm. I think Mark is borderline a, a hoop genius. So he is great at kind of highlighting their strengths. And um, I do think the wild card there is Ant. He's just amazing. I think he is definitely by now he's he's on the brink of superstardom and uh, could kind of even exceed that at some point. But I think, again, if the Kings are getting used to their new defensive schemes, getting used to offensively trying to, take advantage of of mismatches which they may not have been doing as much last season and once they do like you said knock on wood at some point get to full strength as far as health goes um i mean alex lynn was playing really good before he he had that uh, i believe it was a ankle sprain and if you if you allow that healthy group to continue to thrive i think there's no reason that they can't be 
just as competitive as a Minnesota team that they've already beat on the road as well. Speaking of the superstardom, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a conversation that I wanted to have with De'Aaron Fox. I think, Hunter, we're really seeing this year that next generation. There's almost like three generations for me. There's the there's the LeBron KD generation, which they're still kicking and they're still amazing despite how old they are. And it's it's unbelievable. Right. There's that kind of Giannis generation, which is there. They're at the top right now. And I'd probably put like Luca in that conversation, even though Luca's uh, uh, still a little on the younger side. And then there's this new generation of the ants. And, and, and I'm wondering if, if De'Aaron Fox should finally be considered or, or should be considered in that superstar conversation now. And I think it's almost fitting. I should put Steph Curry at the Le- LeBron James generation as well. I think it's almost yeah. fitting that Steph is Fox was the first player that Steph signed uh, to, uh, to the, the, the Curry brand just because it, it almost seems like a passing of a torch in a lot of ways of, G- mm-hmm. generational superstar talent point guard and in, in, in Steph who's the greatest shooter of all time. I don't think that'll ever be touched to this unbelievably exciting young point guard in De'Aaron Fox, who's now just entering his prime. Where do you think Fox is in terms of the, we know he's an all-star. He accomplished that last year. Do you think he's reached that superstar status or is right on the cusp of it? Yeah, I think he'll, if he continues to play this way, be on another all NBA team at some point. Well, not at some point at the end of the season. Uh, he's a three-level scorer now, and he averaged uh, 37% from the three-point line during his second year, but that was only on three attempts. Mm. He's up to eight now, and he's shooting about 35.7% from, from three-point range. So we know what he does uh, when he gets to the paint, and he, he wants to shoot either a floater or a uh, mid-range pull-up. He can get to the hoop. Um and now I think he's he's adding just as an elite a level uh, as he's playing offensively on defense. And another another thing you mentioned as far as Coach Brown challenging guys to step up in areas that they may not have been as elite in, De'Aaron is taking the task on of guarding anyone Coach asked him to. At one point uh, during the Warriors win in the in-season tournament game, Mike actually said post game, De'Aaron stepped up and was guarding Steph. He was guarding Clay. Uh, he stepped in and, and uh, I believe even guarded Draymond at some point down the stretch. So he's someone who seems he does not have much of a weakness on either side of the ball. We know the free throw shooting could get a little bit better, but um, you can't ask for for the world right away. And I think De'Aaron is someone who. I mean, you even see him in commercials and things now. You you yeah. may not have been seeing that beforehand. So he's someone who, again, is just a pretty likable person on and off the court. And I think he is on that brink of being one of the elites in the league. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and it's my favorite way to play daily fantasy sports. The way it works, instead of battling against thousands of players, including those pros and sharks out there, you just pick more or less on two to six players than the Prize Picks projections, and they have so many different projections for you. With basketball season here and the NFL going on right now, you can pick combo projections projections across football and basketball on a Thursday, Sunday, or Monday in their specials league. For example, you could have LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at 10 and a half uh, combo of three-pointers made 
and total receptions. There's so many unique and fun ways to play on Prize Picks, and they even offer an incredible reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return to the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. They're not trying to cheat you because a player happens to go down with injury. They want you to stick around and play and have fun and play fairly. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA to take advantage of that deal. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Remind me, before we wrap up, I want to get back to it too because I have a question about like the the work rate that's being put on the Kings stars on the defensive end and, and really this Kings team in general and if that's affecting conditioning at all. I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. But going to going to Fox's three-point shooting, like it's not just that the attempts are up. It's the confidence that he has in that shot. Even though he's shooting 35%, he's shooting at like a 41-42%, or at least the confidence looks like that of a 41-42% a three-point shooter. And a, and a good example of that, I think it was against the Pelicans or it was against the Nuggets. It was recently, it might've been in the win against Denver where the Kings got a steal while their opponents, I think it was Denver while Denver was getting out in transition. And instead of Fox, Fox is like a one-on-one opportunity and attacking the rim. Fox is unstoppable one-on-one, but he just stops, pulls up, no hesitation with a wing three. And it ended up being a a big dagger three that, that helped Sacramento secure that win. Like to me, that speaks more that speaks more volumes to his development as a shooter than his three-point shooting percentage does or his attempts do. The fact that he can, with confidence, step into that shot in a moment where you don't have to have it, but he feels confident in it and he can drain it in that moment. That, to me, is a big difference for him. I think so, too. He's he's just – you can tell he's confident in that. And there there were times last year where he would probably take people off the dribble and – this time he's he's either like snatching and bringing the ball back or stepping back and keeping his defenders honest because you can't really sag off him like you may have in the past. And he's really using that to his advantage to be able to punish defenders. All right, let me get to this conditioning thing that I had in mind because like you said earlier, Fox is being asked and Mike Brown said that, that Fox was like, he should go in the Webster's dictionary as a definition of a two-way player, yeah. how he's playing on the defensive end. And then of course the offensive upside averaging 30 points per game amongst the top shooters in the league. Fox is being asked to guard the best player consistently. And he pointed out last year, the best guards aren't guarding him at the end of the game, but he's guarding them typically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Demontis Sabonis, who th- this advanced metric came out and came upon my timeline the other day. Demontis Sabonis, and is is covering the most defensive miles per game and is amongst the top of average speed on defense. So he's mm-hmm. working faster and working longer on the defensive end than any other center in the league while also being asked to be the foundation of their offense with the dribble handoffs and the pick and roll game uh, that he plays. And those are the two top stars, not to mention how much uh, Kevin Herter runs off the ball. Keegan Murray's being asked to do more on defense. Harrison Barnes is in his 30s and is still playing 35 minutes a night on a track race team. Like, right. I'm not questioning if 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 the Kings didn't do a good enough job of getting this team conditioned at the start of the season, but it's almost like maybe they have to go through 45, 50 games of a regular season playing like this to get used to playing this way, and hopefully we'll see the numbers kind of balance out once they get into that, I guess, rhythm or flow. It could definitely take a little bit of getting used to, and 
again, like we we mentioned a few times on the pod already, like we're we're only 19 games into the season for them. And it it may not be intuitive for them to be as active as they are offensively and defensively now. So it, it probably will take some getting used to, but um Fox is up to roughly 37 minutes a game and he doesn't look too tired too often. I think he he's got all the the energy he needs out there but um when you are like you said it's a dho heavy offense they're they're coming off a lot of um dho's there's plenty of options in those situations and i think that could potentially drain them of energy but i i don't i don't think that's much of a problem for them i think if you ask them uh if you ask mike that's what they're they're trained to do so i think they'll they'll be fine with the conditioning final thing for you hunter uh what are you when you're watching games whether it's on tv or watching the games from the golden one center for the the next step in this team's development into getting from good to great which mike talks so much about like what are you specifically looking for what do you when you're watching the kings play the suns coming up on friday here and then the brooklyn nets after that and for the remainder of the season like what is that specifically like you're keying in on it on the defensive end, offensive end, specific for a player or two? Is there anything that like you are watching for to see, okay, that is an indication of the next level? I personally like to see how they guard the opposing team's best players. So assuming Beal will be out, I, I really like to see how they match up with Book and KD. Mm-hmm. So even if it's it's not always a Fox or Murray on those guys, when someone is switched onto them who the offense is is probably seeking for a switch, I like to see how guys who maybe shouldn't even be on Book and KD in those situations guard them. And then how kind of like the second line of defenders can help them once or if they get blown by, who's stepping up to try to take charges and I kind of just like to see how they play as as a defensive unit because Mike, as we know, is is really harping on them at some point being a top 15-ish defense. And that can't just be the person who's in front of the star player. You have to think about um, guys coming over from the weak side trying to help. And I, I really just love to look at how they play defense against against those elite guys. All right, Hunter, Where, uh, what pieces, if any, are you working on right now? And where can everybody uh, find the work that you do on The Athletic? So I, as of now, will probably have something coming in the next few days just about these games. And um, I, I've thought a little bit about something on, on Malik, but we'll see if that comes to fruition. But I am, like you said, with The Athletic, my author page is there. It's it's in my bio on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably have something coming within the next week or so. Check out Hunter's work. Hunter's awesome with the, the coverage that he provides on The Athletic. And Appreciate and I'm going to have to have you back on in the near future, too, because I'd love to have a conversation with you about Malik. We didn't really even touch on it today. And I was talking about it with Alan Styles yesterday. But I think Malik is playing at a level where he's forcing the Kings into a position where they can't afford to lose him. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I'd love to have a conversation with that a little further down the road, Hunter, if you'd re- be willing to come back. I'd be glad to. I'd love to come back and talk shop. So, All right, man. Good. Let's make it happen. Hunter, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you coming on. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk soon. Likewise. I appreciate you.
see you soon. Shout out again to Hunter for taking the time here on Locked on Kings. I hope you enjoyed uh, uh, that conversation that we had, some of the points that he brought up, and of course, check out his work uh, on The Athletic. Look forward to having him back on to have that Malik Monk conversation amongst many more basketball and Kings-related conversations. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed these last couple of uh, podcasts with a couple different new guests here on Locked on Kings. And of course, we're waiting for Sacramento return to return to action, which is happening in Phoenix tomorrow, Friday night. We'll have a post-game podcast uh, after that as usual. Usual. So I hope you will join me uh, for that post-game episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked On Kicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.